So it's one minute past eight o'clock and you know exactly what that means. It is time for Capital Sports here on 105.3 and I am joined by Alan Walker and Katya Buchkova and we've got another special guest as well who's going to be in very, very soon. Alan, how are you? Good. I am Alan Moore, as uh, we know. So uh, thanks, Eli. Eli's back with us after quite a long break and uh, not exactly getting it up to scratch. However, good evening, one and all. This is myself, Alan Moore, and beside me is Yekaterina Bishkova. This is your Capital Sports Hour of Power, the best news hour for sports in Russia. So stay with us for the next hour as we have news, views and interviews from Russia and around the world of sports. Uh, so back from her romp in New York, we have the legend, the tennis legend, that is Yekaterina Bishkova. A romp? Was it really how, a romp? Yeah. How are you, Yekaterina? <laughs> Yeah, I'm perfect. Enjoyed my time actually uh, in New York. Awesome. Excellent. <laughs> We're going to awesome. hear more about that quite soon and some juicy gossip as well. So, with only one day the window, the transfer football window or football transfer window even uh, left, we'll be chatting with the CEO of the All Russia Football Players Union and member of the Russian Football Union Executive Committee, Alexander Zotov, uh, who will finally join us in the studio after Many Many Falls starts. But he's been online with us quite often. We'll also chat a little bit later with Peter McDowell, the lead presenter and producer of Liverpool FC TV, and with Russia Today's Daniel Armstrong who we all know is a Manchester United fan we'll be talking with both those boys about the transfer window and the Champions League matches uh, so straight into results from this past weekend we have the we had a full round of matches in the Russian Premier League Massimo Carrera bought himself another couple of weeks with a nil-nil draw out in Habarovsk Spartak continued to play without confidence with the transfer targets avoiding the Okriti Arena for some reason Russia needs a strong Spartak though it might be a while before they are top of the table again and with that draw, they remain in the bottom half of the table in ninth. CSK Moscow dropped three points in a shock 1-0 home loss to Ahmed Grozny. The army men immediately accused the referee and his officials of conspiring against them, echoing their West Moscow rival Spartak a couple of weeks ago when they failed to hold on to a 2-0 lead against Lokomotiv. CSK's seesaw season continues and they are just above Spartak in sixth place. Worst place of the four Moscow clubs in the top flight are Dinamo, who are now 11th after 2-0 loss in Krasnodar. However, almost 600 Dinamo fans travel to make themselves heard, which can only help the club as it hunts for points to avoid an immediate return to the first division. Zenit, they slipped up with a nil-nil draw at home in St. Pete's against Rostov. They remain top of the table and are the last unbeaten team in the league. They're two nil, two, with their 2-1 win over Ural Yekaterinburg, Lokomotiv are second at 19 points, just one behind Zenit. And uh, if not for that inexplicable loss to Tosno in round six, Loco would be thrilled heading into the international break that we are now facing. As it stands, they're four clear of Rostov and Krasnodar and five ahead of fifth place Rubin. Of course, we were there. The Capital Sports Stadium show was at the Ergede Arena for that Lokomotiv game. However, uh, we will be putting out the interviews we had with Ari and with Barry Sheridan on our podcast tomorrow. Okay. So with the group stages of the Champions and Europa Leagues almost upon us, it might be a tricky time for our sides in Europe after those results. Lokomotiv probably looked the best bet so far. In the English Premier League, Manchester United continued their winning ways with a 2-0 win over Leicester City. Cross-end rivals City managed a 2-1 win away to Bournemouth. Huddersfield remain unbeaten with a scoreless draw at home to Southampton. Chelsea beat Everton 2-0, while the much-anticipated clash between Liverpool and Arsenal turned out to be a bit of a damp squib and very one-sided affair as the Merseyside team ran out easy 4-0 winners. With three games gone, United 
perched themselves atop of the table with three wins, 10 goals scored and not a single one conceded. Apparently, as rumour will have it, a petition has been launched to end the season this very week and the person who started that off was a Mr. Jay Mourinho of Manchester. The KHL is underway. Capital Sports will be getting to the heart of the action this season and we will begin this, this weekend on Saturday at uh, Dimo Moscow's home game. Our Moscow sides have had a mixed start so far with CSKA winning three of their four game ma- matches so far. Um, Dinamo have won two of three Vityaz Podmoskovia have won one of three and Spartak well not so hot they have just one win in four matches early days so follow the KHL here with us on Capital Sports the Vuelta España has had another stage and this uh, cycling's last Grand Tour of the year continued and of course Mr Chris Froome is still out in the lead he stretched his lead out to just over two minutes uh, Russia's last remaining rider is Ilnur Zakharin who is in sixth place just two and a half minutes behind Mr Froome well, tennis in the US Open kicked off and is well underway. And shortly we'll be having a chat with you, Katerina, about what's been going on there and, of course, her adventures in New York City. Back to football, however. And the road to Russia 2018 is back in focus this weekend with the, quali- with the, with the qualifiers taking place around the world. In Asia... Australia could leapfrog Saudi Arabia and Japan by winning at home to Thailand. The Saudis and Japanese play on the 5th of September in my old stomping ground of Jeddah. Now, that game has a draw written all over it. However, first, Australia have to get past uh, Japan this Thursday, while Saudi Arabia will go to the Emirates looking for three points. In the other Asian group, Uzbekistan take on South Korea in a winner-take-all clash. But first, have to travel to bottom place China, which should be a good win for them this Thursday. Um, and uh, South Korea, of course, will be playing already qualified Iran. In Africa, all teams have four more matches as well. And there are five qualifying groups in the African uh, region, with only the top team from each one coming to us next summer. On Thursday, the match to watch will be Nigeria-Cameroon, in Nigeria, of course, which will not lack for passion on and off the pitch. In North America, the CONCACAF region, four games are left also for each country, with six teams who remain uh, fighting for three automatic places and one uh, playoff berth. So Mexico and Costa Rica are looking good, though the US, Panama, Honduras and Trinidad and Tobago are all hunting for those last two qualifying spots. In South America, with Brazil already through, it is a battle for the three um, remaining automatic qualifying spots and that one playoff berth. Thursday sees the Battle of the River Plate, where Argentina go to Montevideo, needing to beat Uruguay to keep their qualification dream alive. Right, we'll leave the roundup there south of the border and come back to Europe and Oceania in a little bit. So let's have a chat about travel and tennis with our own Miss Bichkova. Before you give us the sports stuff about tennis, tell us, how was your trip and what did you get up to? Well, that was a completely different one compared to my last appearance, US Open 2015, where I was still counted as a player. The stadium changed, changed a lot. They built a new huge grandstand court, very beautiful and modern, destroyed the old US Armstrong Stadium and put it under reconstruction. All other courts were added on with a few more rows. That looks impressive, really impressive. It was nice to see the old place of my work, where so many good and sad things happened. Meet all colleagues and realize that this nice story is now the real past. <laughs> a good episode of my life and no nostalgia at all. I no was tears? really surprised. No tears? No tears. Nothing okay. at all. I was okay. really, really, I was really surprised. It's like like nothing happened. Uh, so and actually, it's like when the, you just come back home, you know, it's like you just feel like you're home and that's it. You know, it's not like you have yeah, to. Yeah, but maybe that's kind of my character. I, yeah. I already. Uh, it's mentioned it a couple life. times. Uh, not only past. about tennis. It's yeah. just like about school. Everything. You know, mm-hmm. the places where I really had like 
great time mm-hmm. of my life and then I come back after like a couple of years that's it so I, yeah. I never miss it so it's just like last uh, like old page and then I'm 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 Starting going yeah I'm, I'm I'm going further and it's really like actually that's nice and interesting but this time we uh, we visit with Anna Chekvitaz actually who was my journey mate mm-hmm. <laughs> this time we visited a lot of museums and galleries walked a couple times in Central Park checked Williamsburg finally after so many years both of us we really saw New York like it is like at city. But now let me give you some quick updates <laughs> of actual tennis. So it was the first time in 11 years as a tourist and as an ordinary visitor of US Open 2017. Unfortunately, we were not able uh, to, uh, we were able to stay just for a week. So me and Dana uh, watched just few matches at qualification, did justice of some new young rising stars who did qualified and of those who haven't done it yet. Two of those who did are Russian young ladies, Sofia Zhuk and Anna Blinkova. Both are very young, 17 and 18 years old, and both are quite talented. Sofia is better known, by the way, as she was a Wimbledon junior champ in uh, 2015 and already has a contact with the biggest and most famous sport agency, IMG. So her move through quality into Mando just confirmed everyone that IMG never make mistakes with the choice of young athletes. Uh, question. I know players who, and of course I've dealt with ING before, but uh, you never wanted to sign with them? You refused? Uh, no, it's not like uh, they actually sign uh, young kids, let's say like this, because I, ha- I have a chat when I was um, a mental player, player Wimbledon, I don't remember which year, I think it was 2006, when uh, Marsha Sharapov's agent, actually uh, Max Eisenbart, he just ran into me and like started to chat and I never knew that he's actually Marsha's agent and he was like, oh, do you know who I am? And I was like, no, <laughs> like, no, sorry, sorry, man, but first time I see you, <laughs> probably the last. And since that, no, we, we really had good relationship. Actually, he helped me to um, like to switch for two years my racket. I used to play with Yonex and then I switched to Prism because of him, let's say like this. And uh, but they never could sign a person who is uh, older than 15 years old. Oh. I don't know. This is their politics. Something like this. They start from the beginning and they, they just have, yeah. They up. go like this. Well, that's the way to do it. Okay, sorry. Okay, <laughs> sorry. I'm interrupting our tennis uh, news. Uh, yeah. So back to young uh, newcomers. Let's say like this. We also saw Denis Shapovalov, 18 years old kid, a Canadian newcomer who made it all the way through qualification and smashed out in the first round the Russian player Daniel Medvedev, which was actually our big upset of the first day at the US Open 2017. And now Shapovalov will face French experienced Joel Fritzonga, and actually I will commentate it on Eurosport tonight. Uh, seems like this match could become a great challenge for both participants. Also, we lost uh, the first round our huge expectation, Karen Khachanov, who was 25th seeded in this tournament. He lost in the four sets to Korea and Yen Sun Lu. But Evgeny Danskoy made his way through to the second round, uh, so we're going to follow him and his results. We still have a few players who didn't uh, even start their first round because of uh, bad weather <laughs> conditions in NYC last day. Actually, it seems like we left with Anna and New York started to cry. I well, hope so. Well, of course so. it would, of course <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> come on, but really, it was the perfect weather uh, last week. Uh, so, and about the ladies' results. Uh, it's more optimistic. Maria Sharapova seemed to be back on track with a good first round win against second seed Simona Halep. Actually, it was a very good match. Ekaterina Makarov and Ekaterina Alexandrova also moved to round two. Other girls are waiting for new days with a better weather. I mean, that match with Halep was very, very interesting because Sharapova wrongly was accused of gamesmanship where she walked off to go to the bathroom after the second set and so on. But, I mean, that was just pure 
Nonsense. Yeah, but let's say like this, uh, it was not nonsense actually. Uh, I didn't expect her even to come and play, but I think that was actually kind of last try because she got a wild card uh-huh. uh, and uh, wild card to main draw, mm-hmm. which she never got well, she during didn't get all this Open year. Wimbledon, of course, yeah, yeah, so that's why uh, she has to go and play. And actually, it was second seed, like. Simona Halep, it was tough, yeah. tough for both girls. We saw Halep with Anna, like when everybody already saw the draw, and she was like quite upset. Let's say like this, uh, tough to play against Valkart like Maria Sharapova. Exactly. Okay, well, it doesn't matter her, which which, well. which which form now she is, like but how fit she is, but still it's Maria She's Sharapova, yeah. Okay. Uh, and um, yeah, but enough about New York and tennis. <laughs> UEFA made the draws for the champions in Europa League groups last week, and it was both good and bad for our Russian clubs. Russian champions Spartak get Liverpool, Sevilla and uh, Maribor, CSKA Moscow will play Basel, Benefica and Manchester, Manchester United. A crazy time for Moscow with the two of the biggest clubs in the world coming to visit. Of course, and we'll be speaking with Peter and uh, Danny to preview two of those uh, two of those Champions League uh, games with CSK and Spartak. However, in the Europa League, Russian Cup holders and our partners, Lokomotiv Moscow, they were drawn with Czech sides Lin, Moldova's Sheriff Tiraspol and Copenhagen. The Capital Sports Stadium show will be at each of these home games. Zenith, the last and fourth remaining uh, Russian side in European competition, who beat, they will face Rosenborg, who beat my own club Dundalk in the second round of qualifying. They'll also face Real Sociedad of Spain and Vardar Skopje of uh, Macedonia. Matches start the week of September 12th. Cool, we'll be ready. OK, and we're off to a break and we'll be right back with Alexander Zotto. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Okay, and we are back, and Alexander Zotov has joined us in the studio. The last time he was basically watching an arc sail down one of the prospects in Moscow. So, um, so I'll introduce it properly. He is the CEO of the All Russian Football Players Union, which is, of course, headed by well, you headed and along with the president Roman Shirokov, and you're also an executive member of the Russian Football Union. So, Alexander, welcome to the studio to Capital Sports and Capital FM for the first time. Yeah, good evening. Great place, you know. Really great to be here. Thank you. Finally, because we did, we were. I was a bit worried. I was watching the skies and the weather forecast today to say, oh, is there going to be snow? Is it going to be rain? Is there going to be some like I don't know, like a typhoon? Like the poor Texans are suffering right now. But you made it. No, no. But uh, Moscow last time when I didn't make it was uh, not even compared to Texas. But still, it was really terrible. I mean, the weather was really tough. It was awful. It was yeah. god awful. It was god awful. So, okay. So last week when you spoke with us, you basically. Um, picked it correct. You said four of the remaining Russian teams will go through. The one you were worried about was Krasnodar. So, um, first quick question. Did you have any money on the outcome of those events last week? Do I bet? Yeah. No, I don't bet. Okay, that's good to know. You see, this is a good correct man. So, we're all given... I follow the up. American rules, you know. Ah, right? you if, see, you're, if you're working in sports, I don't think it's correct to bet. Yeah. Well, there you go. Eli's giving me the thumbs up for that. That's, that's the way to do it. So, uh, okay. So, what do you make of the um, the European draws? Uh, which of our sides has an, a chance to advance for their group? You mean where? In uh, Champions League? In both. In Champions and Europa. Well, in Europe League, I think... Uh, the chances are really good for, for, for both teams. And uh, Champions League, well, that would be tough because we see that Spartak uh, is, is suffering, has a lot of problems in the championship. You said the lowest Moscow team is Dynamo, but it's mm-hmm. only one point away from... I mean, Spartak is only one point away from oh. Dynamo. Yeah. Okay. So they're not that very high. So 
uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll be Champions League is tougher, I think. But still, you know, hopefully, even if the teams don't pass to the playoffs, maybe they will have a chance in the if they qualify for the Europa League and they remain to play in, in, in we'll the new see. year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I mean, third place in the Champions League group will yeah, get you into the Europa League. you to yeah. So that's that, that, yeah. that's a that's a that's a good hope. So Alexander, have been with us online before and now we're finally <laughs> happy to welcome you here at the studio just tell us quickly 10 words or less what are the football union do and 10 more words of your work in this uh, russian uh, football union well basically the the main the main uh, job of uh, of a labor union is to protect the, the workers that are uh, members of this union so we're no different from that and uh, our work is to protect players from being um, you know, harassed by, by their employers. Uh, actually, uh, we have a lot of um, uh, clubs in the second division and the, in the first division besides the Premier League and uh, the salaries and the problems, uh, the, the salaries are really low there, especially in the second division and uh, compared to the Premier League and there are a lot of problems of non-payments and, you know, when we, we, step, we step in. We're also part of the dispute resolution chamber, which is uh, a court, a court set up within uh, football union, and their their the disputes are heard there, and uh, uh, we represent players there, and we also have nominate arbitrators to, to for, for this court. But, but how did you come to this? I mean, like I've I've heard uh, a lot that uh, the, the soccer players have troubles, like especially after they quit sport. They even played with the. Trivichenko is a pro-M tournaments, so I've heard some stories from him, yes. <laughs> and uh, that's why I, I, I knew that actually, yeah, this problem is really, really like um, um, on top. So, and I just, for how long do you do this? You know, it's crazy. You played tennis with Andre. In the 80s, I played football a couple of times <laughs> with him. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> life, I mean. No, but uh, the... The, the, it's a long story how I ended up in football. I was working in uh, the Ministry of Sports in the beginning of the Zeros <laughs> with Fitisov. And uh, afterwards, I, as a lawyer, I set up a practice for protecting professional players and mainly focused on football and then uh, worked a lot of, in football in, in 2010 together with uh, Maxim Buznikin. We set up uh, the union. And then uh, now Roman Sharokov, as, as Alan said, is is the president of the union and well i don't know it's a long story but uh, it's kind yeah, of but it's interesting story because yeah. um, it's really a big problem for uh, footballers it is it is actually and uh, everybody's saying oh come on they earn so much and they you know they, they don't play and blah 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 actually only five percent of the players earn a lot of money and it's the same in tennis I yeah think. it's same everywhere yeah, and yeah, yeah. no one every everybody loves to count uh, yeah, someone's yeah, money yeah. but never like see the bigger problems all around and again the, like in tennis and in any other sport the career is short and you have very little limited time to make money and I mean, and that that is one that was one of the issues that would like uh, that today on uh, RussianFootballNews.com. I mean, the the the, the case of Jan and Vila. Yeah. So I mean, um, this I have a question about like you know, the the World Cup and so on, and then we'll go to to Danny who's waiting for us on the phone. But first, just a quick question about, with Jan and Vila. Um, this is a player who um, you know is a, a French international who'd moved to Russia, who's in Rubin Kazan, and then was up in Dynamo. And of course, we spoke about that last week. So. 
is, is this common in Russia? Like, why are the, you know, there is a FIFPRO, who are the global governing body uh, for footballers' unions, mm-hmm. but they're not protecting this player. I mean, we wrote about it uh, today in Russian Football News, but what, why why are FIFPRO not looking at this player? Like a famous player, he's not just some... Well, I cannot speak for FIFPRO. I mean, it's what they do is not what I can predict, you know, and we are... We are trying to help uh, Jan Vila. In uh, also, there's a group of lawyers that are working for him, and basically, uh, now everything is already set for him. Besides the the bad story about lifting the Dynamo ban, which mm-hmm. happened last week, which we discussed, but uh, basically, he already won everything that he needs to. Uh, all the courts that basically he has to just collect the money, but Dynamo is doing everything to expand the time when they pay. So, unfortunately, it's it takes some time, a long time to, to get your money back. Okay, I mean, okay, well, away from bad news, we'll come back to that a bit later yeah. on. So we just get something positive. So you're working closely with uh, the World Cup project, uh, especially combating racism, uh, working outside Alexis Merton, who was, of course, the yeah. inspector to combat racism and discrimination. Who's in, in Zurich today. Oh, is it? Well, He's meeting uh, FIFA, yeah, and uh, Gianni and uh, Fatin Simon, yeah, yeah. See, that's why he wouldn't... Well, see, that's okay. He said he'd come on with us in a couple of weeks because he he's yesterday. picking his three yeah, best yeah, songs. Yeah. So uh, he, he, he did promise us, so he will be our future guest again. He was on before. Uh, so you've pushed within the union for stronger fines on discriminatory behaviour by fans, and that has been successful so far with different clubs being fined for, you know, offensive banners or offensive, um, you know, chants uh, yeah. chance and so on. Is this enough, Alexander? Is this enough? Could we be doing more in Russia to try and fight this? No, sure, it's not enough. I mean, it's never enough, but uh, it's uh, it's it's an ongoing story. You know, you have to. First of all, I mean, combating things that happen on the stadiums is only is only a pebble in the sea, and you have to also work with the younger fans and go to educate in schools and talk to 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 the kids, you know, and explain to them. That xenophobia or racism or whatever type of discrimination is, is stupid, you know, and it's it's not cultural. It's not uh, it's not part of our culture, actually. Well, that's that's what I was going to say. I mean, because I mean, uh, like Eli sitting here, he's 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 working aboard tonight. But he, like, come from America, I mean, he he understands it, and he's also somebody who has you know, spoken out on the show here with us before about kind of like how open Russia is. I mean, you'd agree, you'd agree with myself and Alexander like, that Russians are generally welcoming people. Oh, yeah, for sure. They're Russian people. I, like... I would necessarily say, like, Russia <laughs> in general. But the Russian people, definitely, yeah. I mean, I mean like, for, for us Like, the mentality of just, you know, your everyday person, of course. Bureaucracy is always another... Every country is the same. Every country is the same. Every country is the same. So, but I mean, I mean, in, in general, we really agree with you. I mean, uh, you know, Alexander, what, one of the things that's... Uh, um, you know, you grew up for a lot of the time in America. So mm-hmm. your first kind of a, like interaction with the English and so on, you travel the world, but you've generally found that, uh, you know, you know, foreign people have spoken to you that, you know, they find that Russians are quite open and, and friendly and welcoming, yes? Yeah, usually, uh, I mean, a lot of uh, people who I was the first Russian that they would see, uh, they would say, oh, listen, we, we didn't expect, we thought that Russians are really... Uh, very unfriendly and kind of, uh, uh, inst- you know, uh, introvert people and not, not very communicative and uh, social. But I think it's just a stereotype, you know, which is not. Yeah, but it's very. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, common. It's, it's, yeah. it's very common. You, you, you see it everywhere and everybody 
talk about this. I don't understand this at all, but okay. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a stereotype from the movies and from from, from the news. I don't think it's from about the movies sometimes. it's. Maybe, I don't know. It's Well, yeah. I can say about that. About like, a lot of things. Yeah. Exactly. From growing up, we were discussing this the other day about like, different movies and so on. So, I mean, I, I grew up when it was like, you know, Rocky Four was famous. Yeah. So, Rocky Four, there was and like... And Red Dawn. And Red Dawn, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the original Red Dawn was great. I mean, there was other like Red Scorpion and so on. Yeah. And I mean, uh, Red Heat. Red, red Heat, Heat with yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then there was another Red movie, the 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 Hunt for Red October or something <gasps> like that. Well, that was a good one. Yeah. That was I yeah. like that one. Now I mean <laughs> that is my favorite. But that that's more that's shown that like there are good Russian people. But I mean everything from like you know Dolph Lundgren. I mean that's kind of this the, the stereotype, which is kind of funny because like I mean today I we will ha- break you. I, I, no, <laughs> no, no, I will. I must break you. You know, I must break you. And it's like and then exactly. And then of course. Rocky answers like this, like, yo, five foot seven, heavyweight goes, um, yo, go for it or do it. Like, you know, so I mean, I mean, this is the thing where, you know, Sylvester Stallone, who was pumped to the eyeballs. Yeah, but steroids, he already killed the. His, he killed Apollo coach. Creed. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know, Creed, but yeah. I mean, poor Apollo. Yeah. The, best, the best, of course, is if he dies. He dies. He dies. <laughs> yeah. 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 But the thing yeah. is, he's not even like. Who was it? He's uh, Swedish. Dolph, yeah, he's Swedish. And his, and yeah. his wife Dolph in Lundgren. the movie was yeah. Swedish. Oh, so. And <laughs> yeah. she's the wife of Sylvester. Uh, still, still own. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, this is time. like this insane thing. I mean, this is a, this is a, a topic for future, for yeah. like, you know, sorry, good sports. Here's, a, here's, a, here's a fun fact about that movie, by the way. When Rocky wrote, uh, actually, Sylvester Stallone actually wrote the very first uh, Rocky, Rocky film. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when he presented it to the studios, uh, they wanted to buy the script from him. But they did, he said, I'm, I'm only going to sell it to you if I can act the lead yeah. role. They told him no. So he said, forget about it. And then eventually they said they, they really, really wanted it. They came out to him and said, we'll let you act in it. We'll buy the script from you, but we're not going to pay you as an actor. Oh. So he and made zero. Yeah. They, he made zero money from the first movie, from the second and the third and the fourth. And I don't know how <laughs> no, many no, there's he, been so far. But He got a share, I think, on the profits. On the, the profits on the movie. sales. Yeah, that's he right. Got it, yeah. He got it from as a screenwriter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but that's right. not as an yeah, actor. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. all of the royalties that he would have made as the actor in that, he didn't make anything. Well, he won an Oscar. Oh, I think he sold the script for like $300 or something like that. I might be mistaken. I have to double check. He got it made. He got it made. So, okay. So we're going to go out to an out now in just one minute so um, last question before we go because when we come back we're going to be speaking with uh, Peter McDowell from LFC TV in Liverpool uh, last question you, Katerina what is your favourite sports movie? oh uh, well I used to watch a lot of sports movies when I was much younger <laughs> when I was a kid but I don't remember it, uh, the names in English let's say like because I was watching uh, okay. like in Russian Alexander? Well, I, I like the one. There, there are several, but I like the one about the the crazy Jamaican team. And oh, the oh cool, cool runnings! Cool runnings. Uh, yes, yes, cool, yes. Cool yeah, runnings. Yeah, I like cool <laughs> runnings, and I I, all, I I also watched a lot of times uh, Field of Dreams. Okay, with Kevin Costner. That's uh, good. I can try to translate back. Maybe it's the same name. It's like the best from the best. You remember best with of the uh, best? Eric yeah. Roberts, and it was like about a karate team. Uh, oh, oh, oh karate another one. Kid. Yeah, yeah. Karate, karate Kid was good. Yeah, yeah. Here's no. the thing about Karate Kid, though. If you really watch that movie again, the kid in the movie, he's the actual villain, because he, like, he, um, he steals the guy's girl. He's the he steals the guy's girl. <laughs> but that's he's the same being as aggressive Titanic. With her, you know what I mean? In Titanic, like the, he's the, the villain in the movie. Yeah, like you know? Leonardo DiCaprio is the villain in Titanic because he robbed the guy's girl. So okay, yeah. we're gonna go to break. We'll be back with Peter McDowell of LFC TV. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
With our Capital Sports here at 105.3, I've got Alan Moore sitting next to me, and we have uh, a lot of excitement. Yeah, we do. We are, we're here in the studio with uh, Alexander Zotov and Yekaterina Bishkova. Yekaterina, of course, now is a permanent member of the Capital Sports team as of, well, this week, basically, but like this is your first full show. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she can't contain herself. Exactly. Yeah. Be- before, before we go to uh, Danny, <laughs> no, stay here. Before we go to Danny Armstrong, who's waiting for us on the phone, uh, Alexander, quick question. Uh, Artyom from Moscow says, uh, good evening, gentlemen. Uh, would it be possible to disclose an average salary in the second football division? So just roughly speaking, plus or minus, how many rubles would they be getting paid? Excluding Ararat. Excluding Ararat, <laughs> which we know is like something different with Pabuchenko and so on. Okay. Uh, I mean, well, it's it differs from because there are different divisions Within the second division, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. There's, there's five of them across yeah, the country, yeah. across the country. So, but an average salary would be like twenty, thirty thousand rubles a month. Okay, yeah. and is an issue because I had an issue before with, with players where when they wouldn't be getting uh, all white salary, would that be is that still an issue with players as well? 
But do, because they have no comeback then if they don't get a full legal salary? Well, it depends. A lot of uh, clubs try to cheat and they sign a contract with a minimum uh, wage and then they like sign an additional mm-hmm. um, uh, a supplementary contract mm-hmm. to, to the main contract where they state the, the, the main amount and they can write that it's salary or it's a bonus and then they play with this bonus whether the player is... Uh, you know, playing a lot or not, but still, players are left unpaid in a lot of cases in the second division. Okay, even with these small salaries, uh, that's really reinforced. I mean, again, well, we've discussed that before, where they're basically based on government and big business and so on. So that if the money well, doesn't they come usually, down, yeah, are, usually are so. Yeah. Okay, so we are joined on the line by a Manchester United fan. He has to disclose that right away. He is also the sport editor with Russia Today, Danny Armstrong. Welcome back on, my son. How you doing, Alan? You're right. This is great. Listen, the last time we met, it was scorching hot. We were sitting in the Spartak Stadium. You were crying your eyes out, as Oasis would say, <laughs> because Lokomotiv came back from a 2-0 deficit to win 4-3. So have you recovered? Yeah, well, just just about, yeah. I mean, it was a little bit of a shameful performance, uh, giving up a 2-0 lead. Uh, I think Semenov has a lot to sort of answer for. But yeah, as you, I've, uh, I've dried my eyes and uh, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> Right now, nice one, Danny. So listen, Danny, the, the 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 draw of your dreams was made. United are coming to play CSKA. Uh-huh. So what do you reckon? Are United going to top the group? They're topping the Premier Division or Premier League, so what do you reckon? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, Goncharenko, the Seisko manager, has come out and said that basically United are the favourites and uh, Seisko are going to have to battle it out between Benfica and Basel for qualification then. For me, it was fantastic because it means I don't have to buy flights anywhere to go and watch the game. So uh, that was a, a nice little bit of yeah. added bonus. Um, I think um, it, uh, I think in terms of the group, the draw's been very, very favourable for United. I mean, considering we only won the uh, Europa League, we didn't go straight into the uh, into the uh, group stage. Um, yeah, I, I, I think to be honest with you, I, th- I think it's, it's, it's ours for the taking. I mean, we're finished first. I mean. I think they're going to be favourable for us in the in in the second round. So yeah, so have uh, well, okay, we got it. So just tell us, is it safe for Manchester fans to come to Moscow? Uh, well, this is a question I get asked a lot. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, um, I imagine from the channel, I think they're really getting used to the fact that they've got to come to Moscow for a European trip. Just don't forget, this is the fourth time in nine years, and that's uh, they've had to come to Moscow. That's including the the final that they won against Chelsea. Thought I'd slip that one in there. Oh, um, oh, oh. I know. I was watching yeah. that, and I mean, I wasn't crying because I, you know, it, it was a great atmosphere, but it was it was a well deserved win for United. So, so that, yeah, well, of course, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's completely safe. I mean, like, everybody's a fantastic welcome. We've got a big fan base of United fans here, anyway. So everyone, everyone's already seen it from the trips when they've been on already, and once again, I'm sure to come to Moscow. And everyone's going to have a good time. I'm absolutely 100% sure. Listen, last question for you, Danny. Um, what do you reckon? Will United win the league this year? Will they win the Premier League? Well, a lot of people, I mean, especially people from my dad's generation, would uh, say Ron Atkinson's great side of, I think it was 85, 86, they won the first 10 games on the trot and uh, ended up, I think we were third or fourth. <laughs> so the, the first three games means absolutely nothing, but um, the way we're playing... I mean, I always think United are going to win the league, so uh, I can answer your question, yes, of course. That's brilliant. Listen, uh, Danny, I, will, I, I promised you when we were in Spartak uh, that I'd get you into the, the studio quite soon, so you'll be in in a couple of weeks. Is that good? Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. Can't that's, wait. Listen, great. Listen, catch up for a drink soon. Listen, Danny Armstrong from Russia today, thank you very, very much. Okay, so that was Danny Armstrong. He reckons that Manchester United are going to win the Champions League and probably the Premier League as well. What do you reckon, Alexander? Is that true? 
Well, I, if it makes him happy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very polite answer. Yeah. <laughs> Intelligent. Because Yekaterina's like thinking like, I don't know about this. So what do you reckon, Yekaterina? I mean, you know Manchester United. I mean, Yes, I do so, know. Well, like, Somehow you... I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> would, would, you, would you support them? Would you support them? Or... Uh, you know, against Why CSKA. should I? Just oh. give me one reason. But see, CSKA is your old club. It's the club you played as a child. So they're playing CSKA Moscow in the Champions League. So who will you be supporting? Yeah, on the right? no, I, I used to play in CSKA when I was already 25. I was not young. <laughs> <laughs> I was not a kid. <laughs> young at heart, yeah, Catherine. Young at heart. But no, well, no, who, no, who I used to, no, no, no. I used to. Do, well, I started to play tennis at Spartak. So I mean, it's just, ah, uh, yeah. So, so I have two clubs in, in me. It's just like my my sign twins. So it's here, Spartak and CSKA. I cannot decide. That's a tough mix. <laughs> When Peter comes on now, we're going to have to tell him that you like you'll be kind of on the Spartak side, but that's okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's going to, it's going to. No, I won't. I promise. I won't. But it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens because I mean, on uh, in the course or the the, the the period of two days, both Manchester United and Liverpool fans will be here in Moscow. So I mean, there is the worry. Like it was kind of funny. Like how safe will they be and so on? But, safe because there's Liverpool and Manchester yeah. in one city. Exactly. And like, but they save it because of them. Yeah, yeah that's I, I not think because I, of our fans. That's the funny thing. I think it's like I don't think they'll have any problems. But like, they never did because if you remember Alexander for the 2008 the, the yeah, Champions, League the final, Champions League final, that was a carnival. That was wonderful, wasn't it? Well, it was, but there was a lot of security. I think everywhere because everybody was afraid that something might happen, and everything was exactly under control. I think and people too were much control exactly, and people control. were actually <laughs> afraid of the um, of the the. The two sets of fans, Chelsea, Manchester United, actually fighting each other. But it ended up that there was nothing. It was just a wonderful carnival in central yeah, Moscow. Yeah. You know, I always say this one thing when I was uh, going the underpass uh, across well, Red Square to Ohotnuriad. And two, the two sets of fans were coming from either side of the tunnel and they were meeting each other. And they started chanting. As soon as they saw the colours, they started chanting, you know, Chelsea, Chelsea, United, United. And I was beside a lot of Russian people walking between or among them. And they started to panic. They really started to panic. And the guys met, now this is at the end of the first guy, so the guys met in the middle of the tunnel and started like talking about, like, where's the good place? Where can we go get something to eat? Where can we go get something to drink? And then they all headed up to Silvers, which up on which at the time was on the end of uh, the first guy. So there was just such joy and fun and absolutely zero problems. But there are a lot of Manchester and Liverpool fans, I think, living in Moscow. Yeah, exactly. A lot, a lot of people follow Premier League uh, exactly. on TV and uh, internet and... A lot of fans of Man United for sure and Liverpool for sure. Exactly. I think I think they, they, they have the Moscow Reds who have their own pub and yeah, yeah, yeah. they have their own pub. Well I mean they they use <coughs> I, I forget what it is we'll ask Danny when he comes into the studio where they actually gather to watch matches together and the Liverpool fan group as well. They're all there. And most some of these guys can't even speak they, they can't speak English, but they just go and watch Liverpool because they're just... Well, you don't up. need to speak English to watch football. Well, that's true. It's actually better if you don't. It's better if you, you don't, don't need to speak any language to watch sports, actually. Exactly. Yeah, it's I mean, the universal language of itself. I mean, uh, you can't... Exactly. Be, the one thing that we're, we're speaking with, like, um, Alexander, you know, from, from footballers, I mean, in terms of percentage, say, of top-flight Premier footballers here in, in Russia, how many would you reckon would speak some English? Now, Russian players, not foreign. How many would speak English percentage-wise? 10%. 10%. Now, Katrina, how many, let's say the, the girls, and we would know a lot of Russian girls who would have like toured around or Georgian girls, you know, like Kalashnikov and so on. How many of them would speak English? All of them, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but tennis is different because 
they travel a lot. They go on tour. Yeah, and, and we travel alone yeah, almost. And, uh, so and it's communicate not a team, yeah, it's all the not time. Team yeah. game. Yeah. Because it is funny because like it's that, that kind of like that kind of parallel universes and it always confused me because like say a couple of weeks well two weeks ago now, I speak with Roman Zobnin and he could speak English. Yeah, also Smertin speaks I think French uh, also uh, French and, as well. Yeah, yeah and uh, uh, okay Simak and a lot of guys. I mean, still, they, but it's not common uh, because uh, they don't need it a lot. I think they don't think they need it. That's three that's last a, names yeah. and then a lot. <laughs> so you cannot remember anyone else. So it's just like yeah. no, no, it's not common. Yeah, it's not common. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's something that uh, you know when Alexei was on the, the well, he's here with well on the phone with us. Like I mean, you know, every question he riding had, a bicycle, answer, riding a bicycle, nearly <laughs> crashing his bicycle. <laughs> there was one moment. The most when, amazing <laughs> interview we <laughs> had. When, when with Smertin on the bike. Now I want to ride my bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> and he just said, oh, I'm chilling out riding my bicycle. bicycle race. <laughs> you should put Queen bicycle race. Yeah. I think that's it. He, wants, he, want, he was like, the first request was, guys, can you play more rock music? And then, like, he were speaking of on his bicycle and we thought he crashed at one point. So, like, we, you know, it was kind of tough. So, um, before, we're, we're still trying to get uh, Peter McDowell on the line. So, before we do, uh, we're going to have a look at some of the other qualifiers that are taking place. So, um... Okay, so we have the work of course, of course the, what they're called the Billy Kiki Boys, who are the Solomon Islands. They're playing New Zealand in a two-leg playoff to that, that's, qualify. That's going to be a great game. That's going to be a great one yeah. on the September 1st and 5th. I'm don't, actually going to watch it. One. I yeah. am going to watch it. I will watch it because it's going to be a cracker. Uh, so the winner will face the fifth best team in South America, which of course is Argentina. So well, that could be a cracker. And Argentina might not actually qualify for that. They're hanging on by the skin of their teeth. So, it's a so they're going to fly on this tiny island and relax before the game? Probably do. <laughs> That'd be good, actually. They'll do some like that in like, some grass skirts and so on. That'd be kind of fun. Uh, so uh, European qualifiers. So, um, you know, this this is like, you know, okay, the romantic part is Oceania. We spoke about the other ones, but uh, Europe is, is you know, where it's at. Yeah, with four matches left, 41 teams of the 54 who began qualifying still have a chance of qualifying automatically, with six more able to make a playoff. The most interesting matches for me, <laughs> for us. me, interesting matches. Okay, no, honestly, I always support Germany. So it's, of course, uh, Germany against Czech Republic and Norway, which comes in the next four days. Uh-huh. Uh, and France against Holland. Oh, that'd be quicker. this one. What about you, Alan? Well, I mean, I, 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 I mean, Jeremy. Ah, you see, look, okay, I'll be honest. Cards on the table, folks. Cards on the tables. Yes, that of course. There's only the, one game for Ellen. There's only, there's only two games for me. There's only one team. One, one team. team. Yeah. Go Greens. Yes, exactly. So there's a group of, of Irish going down. There's, I think, John Downey and some of the folks from the embassy. Um, Robert is going down with his wife there. Flying to Georgia? Yeah, they're flying to please. Are you flying to Georgia? I can't. I'm Let's working go. that day. Let's would go, you go to Belize. Oh, I'd lo- I would go. I would yeah. go. I, would I have relatives go. in Belize. Right, really? then, yeah. Right. Okay. I have part of my family in Ukraine and part of my family in Georgia. See, and I'm I, a Russian Kazakh. You're <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I'm, you're always as mixed up as I am. But anyway, we're as one American guy when I was doing MBA in Italy, he said, uh, "You you lived in in the states for eight years." I said, "Yeah, that's why you're so warped." You know, warped. Oh, of course. I mean, well, that's, well, I mean, I'm, I'm. We always say that uh, in Ireland, I'm from a mixed marriage because my father uh, is from one county, one region, and my mother's from another. So I always had this thing where, um, my, if I did something bad in my grandparents' house, my dad, my granny and granddad Moore would turn around and say, um, "Oh, you're just a little Viking like your mother's family." I was like, "What?" And I'm, and so I, when I was a kid, I didn't think anything of it, you know. And then when I was down with my granny and granddad Ralph. 
they w- my mom's parents they would uh, turn around and um, you know they they would say oh you're just Irish like your father's family and I'm thinking hold on like my mom's family would have come to Ireland in around. 1100 or something or earlier so but they still had that divide between you the know, Normans and the Celts yeah Normans and Irish and Vikings and then worse because most all of our relations bar a few were living outside of Dublin and we're there what we call now there are Irish listeners listening to this and I know someone would like laugh like you know we would call them culties or people who are from an agricultural background or from the country so we'd say like you know when we go down the country they'd be like peasants oh, you said that, not me. <laughs> I couldn't possibly say that. Uh, I would never go back to Ireland. But basically, they be like they're from the boonies, you know. Uh, so they, they, they're even, yeah. Oh, they're even, yeah, yeah. They're so, <laughs> sorry. You see, they won't understand that they go, "Oh, Alan's just joking in Russian." But you know, they they would they would say like, "Oh, you're from Dublin," and of course. Now Dublin won this past weekend. They beat Tyrone, and that's sickened a lot of Irish people here. Like some of my good friends, like Sean and Mark, and so on, they're like really annoyed. And Steve Conway as well. He's really annoyed because like <laughs> Dublin beat them, beat them easily, and then they're in the All Ireland final on the seventeenth of September. So it's Dublin against Mayo, and honest to goodness, there are thirty-one, well, thirty-two counties in Ireland. Thirty-one of them want Mayo to win. Everyone hates Dublin just because we're the capital. So it's, it's kind of the it's same. Everywhere. The same? Everywhere, I think, in all countries. But how could people hate you two? You're both from Moscow, but you're nice people. <laughs> Eli it's cracked up laughing. You know? <laughs> I cracked up laughing. We're, we're just uniques. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unique people. You're alone among Muscovici as being nice. I don't believe it. <laughs> I mean, no, because in Ireland we get it. So, and actually, this weekend there's a there's a cracking game on Sunday, the All Ireland hurling final, and this is like unbelievable. This is a sport that's like three thousand years old. Uh, it's um, the first time ever meeting. It's uh, Waterford and Galway. This is going to be an absolutely amazing game. So it's like fifteen guys against 15 each of them have sticks in their hand it's on an open field 82,300 people watching it and they'll just beat each other around the place with the sticks with the sticks this is it, it's, fun. it's brilliant it, but this it, is not a Gaelic football isn't it no ah, <laughs> she remembers because this Sunday you're coming to Gaelic football I think so uh, if oh definitely know, yes when I have but it's on the same field yeah it's on the same field so it's 10 metres longer I think and about 5 metres wider 10 metres wider than a, a soccer pitch or a football field so it's quite a big big space to play in so okay sorry so basically Ireland playing Georgia in Tbilisi that was your original question and we got sidetracked um, talking about how nice Moscow people are so uh, <laughs> Ireland playing Tbilisi on Saturday and then next Tuesday they're playing at home against Serbia. So Ireland will win in Georgia. So put money on that. Ireland will win in Georgia. I can't because I work in sports so I can't say it. So they'll win in Georgia and next week I believe they'll draw at home against Serbia. Why draw? Win again. No, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm being okay. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Roy Keane, was, who's the assistant yeah. Irish manager, the former Manchester United captain, Ireland captain, Irish captain and Celtic player, he basically was saying uh, that he was asked with all the transfer fees, what do you reckon about, like, what would be the price of David Beckham and so on and so forth? And he said, uh, well, Beckham would be worth at least one billion. I think Paul Scholes worth, like, like a four and a half billion um, euros. And uh, he said, well, what about your own price? He goes, oh, well, 3.7 million euros. <laughs> He's just like, <laughs> he just cut them down. But I know it's Roy Keane. So, uh, yeah, so basically the, those two games, Ireland on Saturday and Ireland next week in Dublin against Serbia. Okay. Yep. So. All Alexander, right. which which will you be watching closely? 
Well, of course, uh, Georgia and Ireland is my pick. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> We're Especially okay, if, guys. if Alan finally <laughs> says that he's to ready together. to go, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fly to Tbilisi, and I love that the city is so beautiful. For Hachipur in Hikali already. Yeah, but I'm also ready to go to Spain and watch a wonderful game between Spain and Italy. Oh, that yeah. Oh, that, that's that, also a top game. interesting yeah, yeah, match. It should be a top game, yeah. And any other ones? Any ones catch your eye? France and Netherlands, but Netherlands are not playing that good no, li- no. lately. Do you also still. have relatives in uh, Spain? <laughs> like, no, I just like to go there. <laughs> he was he was on holidays in Spain <laughs> this year. <laughs> Every year I go there. I mean, he had yeah. enough food and drink in Spain to become part. There's probably part of your DNA right now is Spanish yeah, yeah. and Portuguese. Yeah, because I'm, oh, you were... I, I stay on the border for three years now on the border between oh. Portugal and Spain. Brilliant, brilliant. On the ocean. Like but multiple genetics. Exactly. And also his, <laughs> his, his sons were over in Ireland this year, yeah, down in Kerry. Yeah, they just came, came back. Yeah, three weeks. They spent in three weeks in uh, Kachersiven. 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 Oh, whatever. you said it right. You said it right. <laughs> yeah. And they're full of now Irish and Italian. I mean, they know some Irish words. They, learn, they, they know pretty well English. And now they had a lot of Italian guys that came to the school and they now know a lot of Italian uh, phrases and words and crazy. And that's the second year they do that. Were you playing any Getty football when they were there? Well, I didn't ask them, but probably, I don't know, probably. This, so it's the second time they're there. So yeah. I mean, this is down in the very far southwest. And this is like, you know, because down in Kerry, that was the last place in Europe that uh, Chris, Christopher Columbus stopped before he sailed yeah. to the New World. And he actually picked up because it was a, a, a monk called St. Brendan from that part of Ireland who sailed across to America before the Vikings. Well, that's what we believe. So it's, it was written. And he went to get the maps from St. Brendan. And we were also... Oh, then we, they all were... Before that, we went to in, in Spain to Huelva. That's the place where he sailed from. So, oh, so nice probably one. they're following Columbus. Now they have to get... But with the visa problems, I don't know. But they need to get... To America. Uh, to America because I never took them there. Well, you grew up. That's, uh, you grew up in America. Oh, yeah. So, how many years do you spend in America? Eight, eight, eight years in America. Seventy-eight to eighty-five. So, I mean, that was like a great time for TV in America. We just yeah, well, that was the birth of CNN and uh, HBO and uh, ESPN as well. Probably. ESPN, all these MTV, all these cable channels. Well, cable started in I think eighty or yeah. nineteen seventy-nine, something like that. I do remember, like it was 82, 83, we got MTV in Ireland. So, I mean, that's, you know, it yeah, would have come that a, a was year crazy to later. Times, yeah. That's amazing. So, well, uh, in terms of the qualifiers, I'd also have a little look at the, Slovi- the Slovakia Slovenia game this Saturday. Uh, because if they only draw, it's going to open the door for Scotland, who are fourth in that group. Um, top of the group, of course, mm. are England, I think. England are top of the group. They're going to run away with it. <laughs> um, so, because Scotland would most likely beat Lithuania and Malta. Well, they should beat Malta because Malta, well, Malta are Malta. Yeah, but Lithuania could be a tough team. To be. It could be. I mean, it always surprises me. I mean, Latvia, remember they had that golden generation mm. for a short while. Yeah, with license, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and they had yeah. a really, really, really good side. Verka, but Verka they just, uh, you know, they yeah. never, they, uh, uh, you know, they never sort of like carried on from that. But Lithuania have the talent and the quality, yeah. but just, again, never kicked on. Like, never, they never seemed to go on. But we, you remember in the Soviet times when they had the Zalgiris also in basketball, but also right. in football. It was a really decent team, and Ivanauskas and a lot of players then afterwards that went to Scotland, I think, and they played in Europe. And they played in Hearts as well. Yeah, in like Hearts, also, Hearts yeah. Because I think Romanov took Romanov, over. Yeah, yeah, took yeah, over. Yeah. It, this Lithuanian well, this oligarch. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah, right. Talking about Asian times, so I mean, <laughs> she's too young. I was, just, I was just born, so I'm yeah. sorry, guys. Look at their <laughs> grey heads. Exactly. I mean, I feel 
<laughs> very, very old. I mean, I mean, yeah. it's. Uh, it was something that actually that Alex Alexis Smertin uh, spoke with. He said uh, he remembered his first World Cup memory, and I think it was 1986. Yeah, well, well, that's my favorite World Cup. That's yeah, in 1986 I, yeah, in I mean, Mexico. That's right, and I mean, I ha- I have a, a kind of a, a dirty secret for an Irish person. Well, uh, Northern Ireland were playing as well, and they did well, but they didn't get out of the group. Um, they got beaten by Brazil, but um, I was supporting England at that time. Mm-hmm. I was really hoping to do well because they had Gary Lineker and it Lineker was fantastic. He was one of the top was scorers. Top scorer. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Six I mean, goals, I think, something like that. And wasn't there? A, was there a Russian or a Hungarian was top scorer at the time as well? He won the Russian uh, Soviet. Well, players, we, we beat Hungary six zero in the group. That's what I was thinking. And we yeah, lost huh. to Belgium. You remember in the in the quarterfinals or something? Quarter. Like that. Or was it in the third fourth place playoff? Or no, the no, 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 I know they no. didn't get into the third first place play, but I mean that was a great Belgian team as well. I yeah, mean they had with really, Faf and Schifo. Yeah. That was just a terrific yeah. team. I mean, Katarina's like eyes are glazed over, going what? <laughs> like what is all about? This is when Soviet Union gibberish. Was We're talking gibberish. gibberish. Yeah. That's quite interesting <laughs> yeah. to us about um, actually uh, Soviet Union uh, soccer teams because everyone always complains so that like Russian team is no, so bad and eighty six and eighty eight we were, we had the most fantastic team you know we we in the 86 we could have won i think even i well we were as as good as any team i I know that argentina won in the end against germany but still i think we had chances at least to get to the semi-finals and in 88 we we lost in the finals to to netherlands but i can never forgive renata saev because uh, because he basically ended our chances we we beat england 1-0 because ireland were in and we we beat ireland yeah no, Drew won one. Ah, Drew won one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was one of the greatest goals of all time. Ronnie Whelan scored with a sort of a banana kick. It was an amazing goal. It was a great <laughs> goal. And then our, we had one player, uh, to, um, Tony Galvin, who was a winger, who actually studied Russian. He actually could speak fluent Russian uh, in university before he went wow. on to play for Spurs. And that's um, why I've come out. I forget. I do, it wasn't blocking. It was one of the, the full back. Came in and just took him out. It should have been a penalty in the whole lot. And Galvin had to go off. And after that, then Ireland lost momentum. But I mean... The Dutch team at that time was the yeah, world's fantastic. best. They were brilliant. It was a great tournament, actually, mm-hmm. in fairness. I mean, it, it was more interesting because you had only two groups with four teams, only eight teams yeah, in the final yeah. stage. You know, it was much more competitive. I mean, it was it was it was it was top class because a lot of the guys who you know are now kind of like legends walking around today, they were just you know unbelievably good. Then I mean, Rude Gullet and Rijkaard and De Boer and. Kuman, well, Kuman yeah. came a little bit later, but he was still coming through at that time. I mean, it was it was terrific. And, I mean, it was. It was a good class of um, soccer history. Right. Ah, <laughs> do you know what I want to ask you, Katarina? Before we, because we're going to head do off. Do you remember all the names? Yeah, no, she was. Just a quiz for you. Spell them. Spell. Next ja- time we'll have a test. <laughs> Spell Jean Riefap. Uh, so basically, Katarina, who who was your idol as a tennis player growing up? Oh, I never had like idols. It's not only in tennis in general, but okay, let's say I love the game of Monica Selish. Oh yeah, yeah double-handed both sides. Yes, and I really, when I was a kid, I I, I wish I could play both hands, like both d- double hands, like everywhere, and no one uh, actually did, <laughs> taught me, you know. And then when I grow up and become older, I wish I could play with one-handed backhand because it's easier to run. Well, that was Steffi Graf's. That was Steffi Graf's yeah. one-handed to slice no, backhand. Actually, that's that was why I, no, no, no. Good. I prefer Monica Seles and I really enjoyed how um, Kafelnikov played. Very strong, yeah. Yeah, he was like amazing as a tennis player, let's say like this. <laughs> Very polite also. <laughs> 
and uh, I think and Marcelo Rios. That was the, the Chilean player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I actually he played Yonex because all the players I loved they played with the Yonex. That's the true. Chilean, yeah, yeah, I remember. So, okay, so we are going to have to wrap up for this evening. So thank you, thank you very much, Eli, who ran the boards, to Danny Armstrong, who took our call, and thank you so much for your time, Danny. Uh, he'll be in the studio with us in a couple of weeks. Uh, unfortunately, to get through to, or to get on to Peter McDowell, we will next week from LFC TV. Alexander Zotov, thank you so much thank for you. finally making thank it. Thank you. It you enjoyed it? Fun. Yeah, was... brilliant. Yeah, Katarina Bichkova, who is now our permanent co-host here in the studio <laughs> so it's great to have you back from New York City and also with us so it just remains to say guys we've had a great evening this evening I hope you enjoyed listening at home or in the car or in the shower or wherever you're listening to us in the gym so uh, until next week keep enjoying your sports and have a great evening Capital Sports with Alan Moore